month we are going to be talking about freedom as we've already talked about for the whole of this month and this is the last Sunday and there are three different things that we believe that God wants freedom in your life with. The first one is in your mind and Dr. Crystal talked about how words and thoughts can overcome our mind and, and sometimes we can be controlled by thoughts in our mind but God wants freedom in your mind. The second area that God wants freedom in is in your emotions. And believe it or not, the Bible says that your emotions are in your body. If your mind says, I think, your body says, I feel. You feel it physically, you feel it emotionally. Pastor Aslan talked about it last week, and it's like feelings are like a a jar of marbles, and we don't like them mixing around. We don't like them uh, uh, um, feeling these these, these jars of, of emotions, these marbles, and sometimes what we do is we glue them down to keep them set, to keep them pushed down. But the problem with gluing down the bad emotions is that you glue down the good emotions that need to come out as well. And sometimes some of us are like a jar of marbles and we just spill them out and they just go everywhere and we can't control them whatsoever. There's something that God wants to do and that's to give us freedom in our emotions. But this morning what I'm going to be talking about is freedom in our soul. <clears throat> that is your will. That's your ego. And I actually think this is maybe the unenviable part to talk about the freedom uh, in, our, in our wills because really we're America, right? We're in America. We're independence. Nobody tells us what to do, Right? Come on now, I know there's more of that within you. Come on, there's something in this country that was founded in just pure blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of money, right? And there's just a lot of, a lot of them kicking out the British as well. We don't want them. Okay, so, and so, so there's something within us that has this independent streak. But the issue when you become a Christian is that you have to give up your independence for a king. It's not someone we can vote out in four years It's not someone we can just hope to outlast and if we just get rid of that guy because he's not a good king and he's not a good president. This is someone who is a permanent king in your life for the rest of your days. And so sometimes I think it's for us, it's many, uh, for many of us, it's actually difficult for us to go through the shift of allowing Jesus to become our king. So this morning what I want to do is I want to look at a particular scripture where one of Jesus' main disciples called Peter was, the first time he met Jesus, there was a massive shift that happened in his life in order to become a follower of Christ. He was quite a rambunctious, hardy type of fellow, very independent type of fellow, but there was a, there was a real pivot point in his life and there were several shifts that happened. And we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And then after I've looked at that scripture, we're going to look at another big chunk of scripture and make a comparison to what just happened here. But let's look at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It says this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. When they're washing their nets, that means they have been fishing and they're done. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, just a quick caveat there. The the word Simon, we're talking about Peter here. His original name was Simon. But once Jesus came into his life and affected his life, he actually changed his name to Peter. And sometimes he was also known as Simon Peter. I don't want any of us to get confused on that. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. There are several shifts that are going on here. There's four different things I want to say about, about this scripture. There's a shift, number one, that came between the crowd and the crew. You see, when they were on the shore, Peter was just a part of one of the crowd as much as anybody else was. When Jesus turned up and he was teaching the crowd, he was teaching them good things. But then he decided, this isn't going to work. I'm going to get into a boat. And he saw a boat and he got into the boat to push out. Now, why did he get into the boat? The reason he got into the boat was because that's where sound carries over water. And this is a lake. And so you can imagine when he was one person crowded around with hundreds, maybe thousands of people, there is no way that they could have heard anything he was saying. But when you get out on a lake and you speak, you can actually, your voice will actually be able to carry further and affect more people. But I live on a lake, and I know this because the, the, the people on the other side of the lake that are always having the party on Saturday night are keeping me awake on Saturday night. I'm not bitter. But I can hear them. I can hear their music pumping across the lake. And sometimes I can even hear them having an argument, and I'm like, babe, the Joneses, the Joneses are at it again, right? You can hear everything that's happening over the lake. And the fact is, you can see why Jesus had to push out in order to make his voice more effective, to, to make the message be able to go further. And what happened was, when he chose Peter and his gang, they became the crew that carried the message of Jesus Christ to more people. You follow me so far? There's a shift that has to happen in many of us, and it's this. It's time to be used by God. For many of us, it's time to go beyond just being a listener of the message, being someone who is just motivated by the word of God, being encouraged and I've got my daily bread, I've got my daily word and now I'm just, I'm just, I'm encouraged by Jesus now. But listen, you're gonna have to get to the place where if you want to have more of Christ and you want to experience him personally, you're gonna have to move from being on the shoreline with the crowd to being in the crew in the boat because this is what happens. You move from a message to a miracle. Let me say it again. You'll move from a message to a miracle. See, many of us will hear a good message and you'll become encouraged and you'll even wish that that could be something that would happen in my life. But maybe you haven't seen it happen. Maybe you haven't seen the tipping point of the presence of Jesus Christ becoming a miracle in your life because you're still a message dweller. You're still in the crowd. 
You're going to have to take a step of faith and push your boat out. And what you need to know is God will always use what you've got. Take a step of faith. He's looking to borrow what you have. He's looking to use the, the, the insignificant things that you might have. You might just have a boat, a car, a small voice, a blog, an internet, a, a friendship, a business. It doesn't matter how small, how insignificant, how could a boat be a pulpit? And yet Jesus was able to use whatever Peter had. He can use what you have. Hello. It's time to move. Oh, go ahead. Don't trickle it down. Bring it down. It's time to move from the crowd to the crew. The second shift that actually happened in Peter's life is this, that Jesus moved from his boat to his nets. And it says this, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, to me, this is somewhat kind of strange because Jesus just needed to use the boat for preaching. What on earth does he need to use a net for? I can see the, the common sense of the boat, but why would he need to use a net? You take a net and you throw it on the other side and you've got to throw this thing out there and put it down. What has this got to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is this going to do to change anybody? Is anyone, everyone standing on the lake going, that was a really good teaching. That was an amazing teaching. Oh, oh, they're fishing now. They're fishing. Let's Instagram that right now and tell the world that Jesus is fishing now. No one's getting saved because Jesus went fishing, right? There's no, there's no power. There's no change in people's lives when you're holding onto a net. But I believe the net is a lot about our resources. It's about our businesses, it's about our income. It's about the tools that he has given you in life. And the net is the thing that you use to provide for your family. But I believe that there's many of us that have Jesus in our boat and we have no problem. Come on in, Jesus, all my family's here. Yep, if you could lead my, my, my son to Christ, he's a bit of a pain in the butt. Give, lead him to Christ, that would be great. And also my wife, she, if you could give her some advice on what she needs to do, like that would be great. You don't mind Jesus getting in your boat, but when he has to touch the very thing that is where you've got your control, Sometimes we're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. you don't want my money, do you, Jesus? That's, that's not going to work that way. And anyway, I don't even have any money. Look at this thing. It's empty. This year has been our 30th anniversary as a church. How cool is that? 30 years we've been around. And recently we had a, a, a barbecue because we just bought a big piece of property big piece of property up near a popcorn. It's 15 acres where we're going to build a new church. And as we're doing it this year, we, we, we got together and like, hey, we're 30 years old this year. We actually forgot all about it, right? We're like, hey, this is 30 years since we've been a church. And we're like, yeah, let's do something. The team got together and like, well, what are we going to do? Oh, we could do this, we could do that. And like, then someone went, why don't we just do a really big barbecue at the property? And we're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we can do this. And I'm like, okay, that's good, that's good. But here's the thing. I hadn't planned for a barbecue in any of our budget whatsoever, right? So we do the budgets at the beginning of the year, try and plan out the year, try to be, you know, uh, calculate. And I'm like, this is your budget team. That's your budget team. That's your budget team. No one's going to give their budget up for a, for a barbecue, right? They're, it's going to have to come from a miracle. And I'm like, God, how are we going to do this? And then and I'm like, okay, you know what? There's probably not going to be a lot of people coming. So I got a permit because we had to get a permit from the city to have a barbecue. And everyone went, a permit? Why do you need a permit for a barbecue? I don't know. This is what we're going to do. So we got a permit. And they said, how many people are going to be there? And I'm like, 150 people. <laughs> right? 
150 people. <laughs> my, you can see my faith was huge. So the first week, 100 people signed up. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we've got 100 people coming. Second week, there's 180 people signed up. And I'm like, oh, okay, get 30 more hamburgers. Let's be generous. Get 50, right? So then it turns out there's 250 people coming. I'm like, okay, wow, all right, so, well, we, we should be fine. And someone's like, well, is there going to be enough shade? We got a tent out there. I'll be fine. I'll be absolutely fine. And then we get to like 380 people that are signed up. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is more than double. I didn't plan on this. We're, we're going to have a lot of hamburgers. Hey, uh, uh, Greg, can you get more hamburgers, please? We're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger everything. Then it got to 400, and I'm like, oh, we don't have enough porta potties. We've only got one. It's going to be overflowing. We don't have enough bounce houses. What are we going to do? Then we get to the day of, and 650 people turn up. And I'm like, ah! 600 people turned up. I'm like, you know what? Whatever. We'll do it. We're going to have fun because we're the party church, right? That's what we're known for. We're the party church, rock and roll church. Like having fun. That's right. Because if you're not happy, don't come here. The joy of the Lord is what gives us strength. I'm going to be dragging you along. Come on. Um, but here's what happened. I'm like, okay, God, your problem. Not my boat, not my net, not my church. Your problem. You'll have to do something with this. That very morning, someone walked up to me and went, God has really blessed me recently. And I just, I just, I, I really, I want to give this into the church. And I'm like, why, why, why do you want to give me a check? And he's like, I want, to, I want to just give this because I really know that I need to live this life that is just saying thank you to God. So I want to give a check. The check covered the barbecue entirely. And I'm standing there going, do you know you just paid for the barbecue? How amazing is that? I love it when I see God manifest in our nets, Right? And I believe that we have to have the faith to see God manifest in our nets because if we don't see him manifesting in our nets, then we're going to be distracted by the nets. We're going to get to the place where the nets now become our stumbling block because you see, the nets in our lives are ways that create provision or distraction. They create provision for us, but sometimes they're creating provision that I can, only, I can only bring this in and it's only for my family. That's all I can do. God, don't ask me to do anymore. I don't mind carrying the message and telling other people about who you are and that you're in my life, but don't ask me to step out of here. Don't ask me to take my resources and go any further from my little comfort zone, my little boat. But the fact is God wants us out of the boat. He wants us in the kingdom, not the kingdom in the boat, but us in the kingdom of God. And I believe that sometimes what happens is that those that become distracted by their nets, by their financial problems, are actually now becoming frozen and don't taste their bounty, uh, abundance of the kingdom of God and can't be moved forward into a deeper and greater work with Jesus Christ. You see, when you're distracted by your bills, when you're distracted by a fear of, I don't know if I can pay for this, I don't know if I can do that. If you're distracted by, I don't know if I can get my marriage to be better, I don't know if I, can, if I could even be used by God. When you're distracted by that, you don't see the work that Jesus has for you that is standing on the shoreline. And there is a shoreline around every one of our lives. And God is calling you to be the carrier of the message and the miracle to those that need Jesus Christ. Hello. Here's the cool thing. At the end of the first service, someone came up to me and said, I want to be a part of that. Well, you just said, I want to be a part of it. 
Jeff came up to me, Jeff, yes, many of you know, and he said, I want to be a part of that. Whatever you're talking about, I want to be a part of it. And he gave me a check that was five times bigger than the one that the person gave me on the barbecue morning. Hello! Is anyone else excited by that? This is not about money. This is about faith. This is about moving God from your boat to your nets, about you moving from your safety area into the kingdom of God and diving in entirely. Hello. This is something I believe that we have to have faith with. And let me tell you, sometimes when I tell people, different people about we're building a building up in the property, everyone's excited by that until I tell them the price tag. And there's a difference between the person that I tell the price tag, how much is it? And I'll go, it's probably going to be about $5 million, maybe $8 million. And the people who have faith go, woo, well, God's going to do it, brother, right? That's the ones who are in it to win it. But then there are sometimes there are people who go, ooh, where are you going to get that money? Where do you think? Well, I don't, I don't know if you've read the same Bible as I have. But I'm not looking in my pockets. I need to throw my net on the other side. Hello. Some of us are so busy looking in our pockets here. Does this look weird? So busy looking in our pockets here, expecting that somehow you're going to produce the miracle when you're not. The fact is, you need to jump into the miracle because it already exists. Jesus owns all the fish in the world. You think bringing a whole net of fish is that hard for him? Do you think $5 million is like, how are we going to do this? Angels, quick, find a way to make a yard sale so we can get the money for a new church that Peter wants. Come on now, Willis. We have to move from the boat to the net. Allow God to move from our families into our nets, into our wealth, into our, our families, into our, uh, into our businesses, into our beliefs, into our vision. There's got to be a shift within us. And Jesus turned up and showed that in Peter's life. Can you imagine his brain was exploding? He had to get duct tape to try and keep it in. He couldn't imagine what God was doing in his life. And it came to a point where he had a tipping point in his life, a pivot point in his life. And here's the pivot point that happened. If it, going from the boat to the nets basically says this, it's time to give everything to God. But here's the tipping point that happened in his life. It was the tipping point between his attitude and his action. How so? Because in verse five, it says this, that Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all flipping night and haven't caught anything. What's that? That's an attitude. That's basically saying, God, I don't know if you know this, but I am the fisherman, you're the carpenter, and you're gonna come and tell me how to fish? Did you know I was a fisherman? Did you, here's my business card, Peter Fisherman, right? That's where it is, 1-800-FISHER-ME, right? So here's the card right there. I don't know if you know, but I smell like fish. This isn't Gucci number five, right? This is, smell my hands, that's fish, right? Smell them. I'm the fisherman. I know what I'm doing. I'm in control of my life. I know what I'm doing with my business. You don't know what you're doing in my life. 
you might know what you're doing in my, in my family's life and you can tell all those other people what to do, but don't tell me what to do with my nets and with my business. But listen, he, as he was busy telling Jesus what his position was and what his production was that night, he had to take a step of obedience. He had to take an action, right? Here's the thing that maybe Jesus didn't know that Peter did know is that you don't go fishing during the day for fish because they're down low. And the evening is when they come up to feed and that's why he'd been fishing all night. He was giving them all the evidence and, the, and, the, and the, the evidence of what he had done and how much knowledge he had. But it wasn't until he threw his net, he took the action and said, but because you said so, I'll throw it over. He shifted from an attitude into action. And here's the wonderful thing. The wonderful thing that even if you have a stinking attitude and you have no faith whatsoever, just because you obey Jesus, you can still get the same results. Hello. How exciting is that? When you would think that by the time he got the same results, you would think that he would be like, dang, that worked. Do you want to join my crew, Jesus? We should do that again. Same time, next time, tomorrow, same place. Yeah, let's do it again. He should have been overwhelmed and been excited because of what Jesus did. I'll tell you why he was so upset. He was upset because he realized who he was dealing with. He was upset because he realized he was wrong. He was upset because he realized he had tasted something that was so great and he had missed it all along. I wonder if there's many of us that need to go through a shift and the shift you've got to go through is it's time to be broken of your old ways. It's time to be broken of how you're doing things, how you do business, how you are running your family, how you're running your marriage, how you're running your life, all the visions and the dreams that you have in your life. Maybe it's time to move past the house. Maybe it's time to move past the business that you're, you're, you're building. Maybe it's time to move past the, the, the just trying to have peace in your household. Maybe it's time that you're already there and you already have these comforts in your life. It's time to move out of the boat and do something greater in life because you were never designed to just exist. You were designed to serve the kingdom of God because as soon as you took a step into the kingdom of God, you're a subject to the king. Hello? You're called and made for something greater than this. And when you find your purpose, you go into a level of transcendence where you are above yourself. You are beyond yourself. And that's where you start touching the things of God. And I believe that every person in this room has been called to that. The shift that happened in Peter's life finally was when he went from master to Messiah. Master, he said, which basically means teacher, instructor, someone who gives us advice and wisdom. Siri, We've worked hard all night. There, see, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, what? Lord, he recognized there was a major shift in his life, that he was dealing with someone who was greater and better and had more resources than he could ever imagine. Now, this is something that's really important, that there has to be a change in you. Now, listen very carefully here. If you want the things of the kingdom of God, there has to be a shift and a change in your heart. Why? We're going to read this scripture. When they had done so, it says, verse 6, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to, what does that word say? Break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to, what does that word say? <laughs> Something's got to change in your life if you're going to carry the ways of God. If you want the things of God 
and you want the ways of God, something has to change in your life. How you're running your business, you can't do it that way anymore. You're, something's going to have to change where you're going to have to stop being the one in charge all the time. The one that always comes up the ideas. The one that's always paying the bills. The one that, is, one that is, has control over, over everything. You're going to have to start trusting people. You're going to have to learn new business skills. If you want to see your marriage grow, something has to change. You're going to have to stop being the, the person who keeps planting their flag and saying it's my way or the highway. If you want to see God move in your family, in your community, something has to change. You can't be at home watching Netflix every night. You've got to get out there and start connecting with people. Hello? Some of us have been called to greater things. In fact, all of us have been called to greater things. But a change has to happen in your life where you're no longer acting as the king of your own boat, but you're literally acting as a subject in the kingdom of God. You're jumping into the kingdom of God. Your boat's getting used. Your nets are getting used. And now you're looking for more. More fish, more people, more nets, more boats. You're looking to expand it because two things matter in the kingdom of God. And it's this, people matter and eternity matter. Let's say again, people matter and eternity matters. It's the two fundamental things that, that, that exist in the kingdom of God. Here's the cool thing with Peter. The story wasn't over. When he followed Jesus for about three and a half years and he learned everything he got to learn, and he fell in love with this man. Then Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. And everyone was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You were coming to change the world, right? Not go and die. It's like, yeah, but I have to die to change the world. And like, oh, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but I guess you're Jesus. So then he goes to the cross and he dies. You can imagine the disappointment that they felt. You can imagine the bitterness that he even probably felt. They're like, I pinned all my hopes on that guy. Everything I wanted was in him. I gave up my boats, I gave up my nets, everything. And so what Peter did is he went back to his business. He went back to fishing the way he used to. We're going to read from John chapter 21 here, verses 1 to 11. It says this, after Jesus, who had raised from the dead and appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, which is the exact sea that they had, we just read about in the last chapter. It happened this way that Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples, they were all together. <clears throat> I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Again, deja vu. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, have you any fish? I can only imagine the giggle that was inside of Jesus at that point. And you find, well, I didn't have any fish. It's like, you know, I know they don't have fish. Jesus knows all things. Like, hey guys, you got any fish? Can't wait for them to realize what's about to happen all over again. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. What is the next three words? When they did, right? I want you to look at the space right before then. What is missing? The excuse, the arguments, the logical reasoning why this isn't going to work. The, hey, Jesus, this doesn't work this way. Hey, Jesus, I can't do things this way. We're often so busy telling God what I can't do, and we're missing what he can do through me. 
There's a huge space right between that where there was this argument that Peter had last time. There's no argument this time. When they did, they just went ahead and went, I've got nothing to lose. I'm already a broken person. I've lost everything. I don't even care to be right anymore. I'm throwing it over the side. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Wow. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was called John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water and the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw fire burning with coals where there with fish on it and some bread. You see, even Jesus already had bread and had fish. He didn't need more fish, but he wanted their faith to rise up. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish. Bring what you've got. I've already got some, but take what you've got. Add it with mine. Let's do something greater. Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many net, so many, the net was not what? Torn. Even with so many fish this time, the nets were not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew fine well that he was the Lord. Listen, I've been through this myself. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up as a pastor's kid. And there's times when I've seen God do things in our lives and I've seen how my mom got hurt and my dad got hurt and I just got to a place in my life, especially as a teenager, and I said, I will never be a pastor. I will never be like my dad. I will never go through what he's had to go through. I'm not going to deal with that type of crap in my life. No way. No thanks. No way. Jose. But it gets to a point where God goes, but that's your calling, son. And what he has to do is allow us to go through a breaking until we just go, whatever. Just do it your way. We stop arguing. And then we just decide to go ahead and do what he's called us to do. And before you know it, things grow. Things multiply. It's time to give up that fight. It's time to give up that argument. It's time to give up that attitude and just move and live in the life of action. Move in the life of the Spirit. Live in the life of the Spirit. Trust that God has got great things for you. And then trust that he's not going to allow your nets to break. He won't let your business break. He won't let your boat break. He won't let your life break. He won't let your mind break. He is in charge of all things. They can't break when he's in charge. They'll only break and they'll only sink and they'll only be crushed when you're in charge. Are you ready to do some great things in life? Are you ready to throw your net on the other side and forget about all your controls of, of, of conserving things and start living in this dimension of multiplication that is the kingdom of God? I am so ready for this. I'm telling you, and I really hope that you feel this too. Let's, let's stand to our feet as we, as we dedicate our time right now to the Holy Spirit. Father, we are here right now. We've heard your word. We've seen what our brother has done before us. We're learning from him that there's a pivot point between our attitude and our action. And we want to get into that action. We want to be done with all that attitude stuff. I want to give up and give in so I can go up to you. I can get more, Lord, for the kingdom of God. Right now, many of you are 
maybe even feeling the, the strain of the net in your life. You're feeling the strain of, how am I going to do this? How am I going to have a retirement? I can't even pay my own bills. It's time to say it's not my business anymore. It's your business, God. Tell me what to do with it. And then fast and pray until you hear the Lord telling you what to do with it. There is not going to be a vision or a calling of God in your life that will manifest until you see it manifest in your own life in all areas. Jesus, right now, I pray you'd fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit, oh God. Help us to have that obedience. Help us to have that brokenness of our will and become like Peter who set a whole world on fire as soon as he became connected back to you. We ask this in your precious son's name. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.